the Craggy Rugby Podcast. It's the Cheetahs Away edition. My name's Alan Deegan. Okay, that's the end of my trip to South Africa. Didn't even get started. What a pain in the... Saturday morning and I'm in Navin clearing snow, not relaxing in the heat of 30 degrees in Blumfontein. I've got William Davis on the line. Hiya, William. Well, Alan, good morning. Well, it would be if I was in a pair of shorts and enjoying the sunshine and not clearing the snow with my dog in Navin in my parents' house, so they're happy that I'm here to help them through this snowy period. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, what can you say, commiserations to yourself and to a lot of other Connacht fans who probably thought there might be some reasons they wouldn't get to South Africa. They didn't expect a blizzard uh, on the start of March of epic proportions, but uh, sadly your flight was cancelled to the UK, uh, so you couldn't make your connection to Johannesburg, and um, you've swapped Bloemfontein for Navin. So we're going to do a slightly different podcast now because uh, we're going to start off and we're actually going to preview the match using some audio that's come back to us from Morgan Peake of OFM Radio in Bloemfontein. He spoke to some Connacht management and players down there. So we'll get a feel for what they're up to. And then later on tonight, we'll be uh, watching the match on television. And uh, we'll tell you the story of the game later. Let's hear who Morgan talked to and what they have to say. I think, I think it'll be a little hot on Saturday, but it will die down towards night time. I think it's 15 degrees. Thank God. We've been <laughs> I mean, forecast for, for for Saturday, so that might help a little. Yeah, it'll certainly help. It won't help with the lungs, unfortunately. Uh, the air doesn't come out in, at night. So, <laughs> yeah, look, it, it's an excuse if we want it to be an excuse. and We've just got to get on with it. Um, we, we know that it's, it's there in the background, but... Um, we think that we're fit and strong and we just have to make sure that we, we don't allow that to creep into our minds and just focus on our jobs and focus on um, what our game plan is for the weekend and try and limit the opportunities for the Cheetahs to, to have the ball for long periods of time because when, when they do have the ball, they are very, very dangerous. Kind of trying to adopt a more expansive kind of game plan of late. You guys release the conditions that you'll have to play on a driest surface conducive to running yeah absolutely um, we won the Pro 12 two years ago and um, that was based on running rugby and trying to keep the ball in hand and trying to I suppose um, outwork teams and um, when you're home in Ireland and it's raining and windy a lot it's difficult sometimes to uh, to do that but look we've worked hard on our skills and we've tried to improve and obviously with a new coach he is an ethos of trying to um, look after the ball as well so um, that's the one good upside of coming uh, coming here this week that it's uh, it's lovely and sunny on the backs and you can see all the lads out and enjoying the sun and um, it allows us to maybe throw the ball around but at the same time we are conscious we don't want to become a festival or a carnival game it, it is an important game for both sides and um, the looser it gets I feel the more it'll help the cheetahs um, so no it's good to be back here it's um, it's an exciting place to tour and um, of course it comes with its challenges with the travel, but the fact we've had a full week's preparation here and, and getting used to um, used to the conditions, both in terms of of the heat and uh, and the uh, the altitude, it means you know we've got a good amount of time to be on the training park and manage the boys accordingly and make sure they're in uh, best possible condition for for Saturday evening. The huge benefit of being on tour and all based um, you know away from home for a week like this is. The players get to spend a lot more time together in, in terms of their own team building and, and cultural activities, but, but equally a lot more time doing homework, watching rugby, talking about rugby, um, small group meetings, uh, more one-on-one catch-ups with coaches. So the, the investment in the rugby side of things off the field um, goes through the roof you know, when you do have the opportunity to be away from home and, and all the distractions of home. So in that sense, it's, um, you know, it's, it's a really good thing and a good thing for this group. A um, bit of a novelty for, for obviously this group. There's not many guys within our team who've, um, who've toured here previously. So 
couple of guys is Jared Butler and, and Tom McCartney who've got super rugby experience and um, you know are familiar but for the rest it, it's a new thing whether that's the, the heat the, the hotels um, everything culturally it's, um, it's fresh for them so there's challenges in that, but but also it's it's really exciting and really stimulating for them. So um, it's just as much positive. Yeah, I, I think the conditions certainly um, certainly do challenge your decision making, and, and part of that is um, that literally you're feeling more fatigued than you would be at other times playing at sea level or, or playing in cooler temperatures, as um, you know most of our guys are used to. So there's the fatigue element, but um, but there's just the mental hurdle of it, and, and different groups I've been involved in have approached it differently. Playing playing in South Africa at altitude, you know some. Some address the issue early, and and then um, you know make the players really aware of what to expect in terms of uh, in terms of the pace of the game and, and how they might be feeling physically, and and um, and others ignore it entirely and say, look, you know, we need to we need to conquer this via mindset. Um, the way we've approached it here is to make the players aware that it, it will be different, but at the same time, um, we can't afford to to pace ourselves in a game, particularly not against a team like like the Cheetahs, who are particularly dangerous at home. We can't stand off and think that we need to preserve energy for 80 minutes. Um, you know, we need to be at maximum value for um, for as long as we can, and then we've got an excellent. Uh, we'll have an excellent bench that a bench that we can um, that we can utilise thereafter. But but we certainly can't have guys worrying about the conditions and then um, not committing fully, because then, as you as you pointed out, it starts to affect your decision making and everything you do around. So. You know, this this trip's very much about us delivering the best possible version of our system, but making sure we do it with with genuine intensity. And then, um, you know, as the legs tire, we bring on fresh legs to to continue the job. Kieran, welcome back in Blim. This is not your first trip to the Free State, but different competition for you this time around. Pro 14, tackling the cheetahs this weekend. How's prep gone this week? It's been brilliant, to be honest. Um, we've come out of snow and and rain and wet. And to come to this is, is a bit refreshing for the boys, and they've got a bit of bounce about them. And in the context of the competition and the conference, how big is this game? Because Connacht still stand quite a good outside chance of reaching that playoff spot. Yeah, it's, this whole tour has been a big focus for us um, because we dropped a game um, and had a poor game before we went to Treviso. So, in the context of that, this is a massive game for us. Yes, it is. Cheetahs would, would, would call themselves unlucky to lose the one in, in Galway. What do you expect from them this time around? I mean, it's, it's their home ground, their conditions. Well, I think they've won every game here, haven't they? Yes, so, um, except for one. Except for one. Glasgow, was it? Yeah, Glasgow. Yeah, so, um, and Glasgow's coached by uh, my boss from last year, so uh, it would be nice for me to be able to match that, wouldn't it? <laughs> Having said that, because um, you know the conditions and Dave Rennie's good record here, is that something that you've learned from in the past coming here at the Super Rugby? Because it seems like, especially the Irish teams, haven't quite grasped the concept yet of spending a week at the coast and then coming to altitude a day later. Yeah, well, I think the experience behind that is probably holding us in good stead. So, look, I we all have our own opinions and um, I... I have the same opinion as Dave about it, about getting here quickly and and, and not only enjoying the sunshine and, and what Bloom has to offer. We had a fantastic day yesterday at a game park and hit a few golf balls and you know it's good for the team morale. Um, boys are getting on famously um, and being in the one place which has everything here at the hotel, that been fantastic for us. Um, the whole thing's gone swimmingly, really well. Okay, um, they're, they're, they seem to be very happy there, not in the snow, don't they? <laughs> yeah, they certainly do. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's quite a change. It's it's probably quite ironic because with, with modern communications, look, they can they can probably watch the snow falling on a webcam, and they're probably all their relations are giving them the full breakdown of what's going on here or what is starting to what has gone on and what is now starting to change a little bit. Um, but they sounded very positive. Um, John Muldoon, obviously, it's it's a bit it's a big game for him. It's you know he's, we know this is his last season, so he's counting down all these games. Kieran Kane has been there before, and interesting from Pete Wilkins just as to how they've changed things around slightly in the way they've done their training down there. Obviously, mm. this game tonight will be played at uh, fourteen hundred meters. 
So the oxygen's a little bit less up there. The ball will travel an awful lot further. And uh, it's just a pity that uh, you're not getting the opportunity to see it to see it live. But um, we just have to see how they get on tonight. I think it's a bit. I still think it's a very big test for them. And uh, she does unbeaten at home, uh, with the exception of Glasgow. They, they've done well at home, and they're coming back from a probably a slightly frustrating three-match European tour. Uh, in games, they should have won. They should have beaten Cardiff. They should have beaten the Ospreys. And they're going to be frustrated. So I think they're probably... They need a win tonight as well to keep their third place aspirations and even maybe the outside... Well, more than an outside chance if they can if they can get up with Munster to get second to get this home playoff semi-final, I think they're calling it. So um, there's a lot at stake here for both times. There certainly is, um, and I have I have them to win by seven points. I, I don't see I don't see Connacht being able to survive the last twenty minutes. I think that's that's where it all come down when they they run out of gas. Unless of course you know um, Pete Wilkins talked about the fact that they're going to make good use of the bench. So maybe I don't know, but you know it takes yeah. Let let's wait and see. I, I I'd be surprised if we get a victory, um, but maybe we get a, a losing bonus point and maybe even a try bonus point because this is our type of weather. Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, and these guys play a very expansive game. They do give you chances, and uh, it's how you exploit them. But the last 20 minutes could be very, very tough. Uh, it's been hot down there, and it'll cool off a bit tonight. But it'll still be, it'll still be diff- certainly different conditions. If this match, well, this match wouldn't be played if we were up here at the minute. And obviously, the only other match in Pro 14 took place last night. The only one that survived, and it's quite a su- quite a surprising result. And uh, see the Kings getting their first win and absolutely annihilating the Dragons in Port Elizabeth. Yes. Um, so, that's the, so if you want to play Pro 14 rugby this weekend, you need to be in South Africa, <laughs> uh, which probably, probably just gives you an idea of how bad the weather is up here. It uh, certainly does. That, it certainly does. Okay, let's, um, let's cut off to the game. We, we might um, see if we can get some audio somewhere along the way. And um, we'll talk afterwards, and and hopefully we'll have some good things to say. Okay. Wow. What a finish that was. Yeah, it's another one that slipped by, Alan. It's, uh, uh, yeah, I'm almost lost for words, actually. It's a couple of hours afterwards now, and uh, I'm still sort of uh, uh, a bit fed up with the whole thing, really. Um... Connick played exceptionally well. I think that's the first thing you have to say. Yeah. Um, they 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 played with skill. They played with intensity. Um, they were fairly accurate most of the time. They scored three really good tries, and it all came down to a referee's decision. Well, not that that's a little unfair, but it did come down to a decision that he had to make on a penalty, and. Um, they got the penalty, and with 20 seconds to go, they kicked it. Um, that That's a tough one to, to take. Um, Connacht probably get on the wrong side of too many of these things where they, they don't close a game out at the end. And they're going to feel, I think, really gutted after that. Um, they just they played so well uh, in pretty, well, alien conditions in terms it was a warm evening, it was humid. Uh, there's obviously, you could see players there desperately trying to get air into their lungs. Both sides were, were wheezing a couple of times, and I think that's probably because uh, it really was hard. It was a fast-paced game. And to come out on the wrong side of that is very hard. But you, it's, it's an old cliche. You've got to look for the positives, and I suppose there were some. Yeah, yeah. I think the, 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 team, the team ethic, the, the work rate that they put themselves through um, was tremendous. I thought um, guys like Keen Keller had an excellent game, even though he didn't get a whole lot of ball. I thought his defensive, it's as good a defensive game as I've seen Keen Keller play. Um, I thought Butler was amazing. He he did so much work in the background. I know the, the commentators were sort of keeping an eye out for him as an ex-Super Rugby player and they were, they were saying he wasn't doing a huge amount, but I thought he was doing an enormous amount of tidying up and cleaning up um, and then James Cannon, who when you put James Cannon beside a dynamic lock, I think he's very, very effective, especially in defence. 
his ability to, to sort of let guys go slightly past them, then turn them and get them turned over. Sean O'Brien turned a couple over based on Cannon's original tackle um, and stopped the offload from going with his big long levers because uh, their offloading at the start was incredible. They were they were offloading at such a rate that you know Connor couldn't keep up with them. Um, but then they they got to grips with them and and did really well and were unlucky not to to win it in the end. The only question I'd have is is we had two players didn't make it onto the field in Coulson and and Mitchell and you start to wonder why um, because Dennis Buckley certainly looked as though he was out on his feet in the last five ten minutes. Well. Uh, we're going to play a little bit of audio in a while from from Super Sports TV coverage, and if you listen carefully for the the last scrum that leads to the penalty that has to say is kicked an amazing distance. It's only you wouldn't kick a penalty that far at sea level, but they got the ball from their own twenty-two into the Connacht twenty-two, which which led to the events at the end. You can hear the guys trying to rally Dennis, and he did look absolutely exhausted yeah and it's 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 a strange one look we're not on the management team so the decisions aren't made i mean jack mitchell is getting no uh, game time at all maybe they felt in the circumstances they didn't want to bring a player on for eight minutes in a tight game and i can maybe understand that with a back who's in a pivotal position like scrum half but i think it you know you've that the penalty was given, it seems to have been awarded because Dennis Buckley was driven up, and you just wonder would a fresher player have been able? Because that really was the key to the game. If if that scrum had just resulted in possession yeah. Um, yeah. for uh, the Cheetahs, they would have had to go the length of the field, yes, essentially to score. And I'm not sure that they were able to do that. But by getting a penalty, that moved the game down and. Um, so let's have a listen to some of the, the highlights. We'll hear the uh, three Connacht tries. Hugh Bladen and Warren Bresnahan are the commentators. And it'll give you a little bit of a feel of what they thought was going on from a South African perspective. Well, one might say that Peter Key was the guy who should have been closer in because there was nobody else. And left to gap there for Uzair Kassim. A promising field position for Connachia inside the Cheetahs 22. Solid scrum, blade, Haki, blade. Lovely little double around, and here he is, thunders in. Oh, it's just lovely from Connacht. Beautiful move here from the set phase. It starts with the scrum and they get in a very solid base. It's in channel one ball. Goes out, the runners come in, they try to suck in the defenders. They pull Craig Berry, the winger, in and they release Healy out wide. Lovely set play move. All the defenders' eyes come in, they look inside, then the pass goes out wide. The wingers come in, he's left open. Healy and Healy powers through. again, Delane. Good driving play by Connacht. Carty, Aki, who won a chance here at Wadahara, and here he will get his second. Happy Ben. You see the play, it's very simple stuff, the defence of... I've just said, thank you. Cheetahs yeah. was stretched and it was found wanting on the, on the outside. So at the moment, Connacht is actually dominating this game. Five possession and... Driving attack, Blade once again, worked out by Thornbury, Aki shrugs off a witty tackler there in the form of uh, Renewal Hugo, good holding up by Mahoja and Fenta. Release, tackle. Thornbury. In fact, John Muldoon took it to ground. Oh, look at this fly, the fly half party. And this is going to be a running try for the outside centre, Griffin. And now, 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 the Chiefs are under a lot of pressure. And the Irish eyes are smiling. Oh, they certainly are. Carty, he picks up that there's a forward in front of him. It's a front row forward. He knows he can get on the outside, plays this inside ball. It's the strength of this team. They are so good with ball in hand. They're able to keep it through phase after phase after phase. Their control is so good. And he spotted a mismatch with a front row forward in front of him. In the shape of Charles Moret. 
Great work by the fly half, Jack Carty. Remember our gap. Well, I reckon this is the last toss of the coin for the Cheetahs. They've got to get down into Connor territory if they've got any chance with less than three minutes to go. Okay, it went, it went. Well, they've milked the penalty. There's a much better scrum. Now the big thing is for Blomakis to kick a big touch finder. And he's done just that. <laughs> that is a class kick from Clayton Blomakis, and the pressure's on. Bernardo does the first bit well. Sack is good from Clayton. No, no, is it? No. No, it's a penalty. Oh, now has Mayer given up the chance of... Oh, they've gained 10. Now, now, now. Oh, they've, they've got to have a look at the clock. They've got to have a look at the clock because he's got a kick for goal. Sacking a supporter. Sacking 15 metres in. Correct, Blades. Kick this knocker so that you win the game. Eight. Well, it's pressure. Pressure and more pressure on Neil Maria. So if you're going to sack, and then when you sack, you've got to take down the jumper. So the jumper's Bernardo. You can take him down the minute he comes down. But if you take the supporting players down, which is what happens there, or what Stuart Berry says happened, he's going to penalise you. Well, this is when the pressure comes. So often on a, on a kicker, it will be heartbreak for... Uh, Connacht if this does go because they've had a really, really good second half. This, this is what you play the game for as a kick of blades. Neil Murray has got the opportunity here to win it with 20 seconds to go. Is it Hero or Zero? It is Right, yeah, you really, you really get a feel for, you know, how they saw Connacht and how well they thought Connacht played. And I have to say, very enjoyable commentary. I, I quite happily listen to those guys um, on a regular basis. I, I, I found them to be really informative. Yeah, Hugh Bladen is uh, has been commentating for since forever on rugby in South Africa. He's uh, he's been there really since the seventies, and he's a very, very distinctive voice. Um, Warren Bresnahan is a former um, uh, Springbok player. Uh, he's only just come in. He's come in about three or four years ago to analysis. And I thought some of the stuff they, they had to say was very interesting. Um, some of the use of replay as well. Just, just it, it was a game that broke up. So Connick's first try, that wasn't actually the, the, the call by Paul call commentary. It was actually their analysis of it when we had a break in play. So it was very good. And I think... They were surprised about the penalty at the end. Yes. They actually thought Connacht had sacked the player um, correctly. Uh, the referee didn't. And I wouldn't say they were gutted for Connacht, but I think they were. They felt maybe that uh, the Cheetahs had stolen that one. And I suppose that's the joy of sport, because when Johnny uh, Sexton dropped that goal in Paris, we all went, Yahoo, <laughs> we've stolen the game. Yeah. So, if if you're if it happens to the team that you're supporting, um, but that that was a bit of a sickener for Connacht, and uh, I think we're now going to hear from uh, Kieran Kane and Matt Healy, and yeah, I think you won't have to, it, it. Doesn't take long to figure out how disappointed they are. Well, I'm not happy to lose. I thought we'd done enough to win. So I disagree with you about being happy. That was like a Morgan there uh, from the boys. We didn't come here to make the numbers up. We came here to give our best and, and do our best. And for probably 95% of the time, we did. And then we got we lost in the last few minutes. So it's, it's gut-wrenching for everybody to come this far and fall on that hurdle. Well, we had some opportunities. So um, after that period of time that you're talking about, we we fluffed a couple of opportunities. 
just to put a margin out there and to make it mentally uh, tough for them. If you recall a few minutes prior to all the other business with the set pieces, um, we actually had them on the ropes and we were doing really well. And if we'd have nailed that, we would have won the game. And yeah, I think that Cheetahs are a team that play with it a lot of width and, and we felt the conditions kind of suited suited our game to play with width as well and yeah I suppose that would have been a priority for us and the conditions allowed it and I thought the couple of tries we got were, were great team tries and that was off the back of putting them under pressure at the right times and, and as Keiko said it was just a couple of slip ups um, that we fell down on. Hey, I thought we were in great shape, um, great shape coming into the game, we've had a really really great week in, in Bloemfontein I thought you know, our SNC guys had us in, in top shape. We've recovered really well after all our sessions during the week. And, and look, that's, that's just not an excuse. I thought at halftime we spoke about how fresh we were um, and we were right in the game. Um, and towards the end of the half, yeah, a couple of lads were cramping, but I think they're t- typical crampers in uh, Tierna Hatter. And so, uh, look, it's no excuses. Um, yeah, we got beaten at the end. Well, nothing's impossible. All things could fall away. But um, look, we've got to take this. Um, you know, there's a lesson or two in there and there's some difficult stuff that we'll have to deal with and we'll do that I mean the one thing I know about this group is that we'll learn from it and we've got plenty of other games to play for we've got plenty of other things to aspire to and we'll just let the cards fall as they may and as I said to you fellas you know, we're not looking forward we really weren't looking at finals or, or positions or anything. We're just taking it one game at a time. Um, we've had a great tour, uh, apart from losing a game in the 79th minute. Um, so um, it's been it's been good. It's been good for us. Oh, some of our things out there today were really good. Um, uh, some of our set piece, well, the set piece tries that we scored was. A, a cracker. Um, we didn't really um, handle the pressure that terribly well, and of course we coughed up some ball. Um, and the cheaters love having the ball, as we know. So it was either uh, under set piece conditions, line out, scrum, penalties, etc., etc. So you know, there's some big lessons there for us. Had we maintained the ball, I think we would have won the game. Yeah, pretty, pretty gutting stuff there from from the guys. Actually, there's a, a picture on Twitter of Matt receiving his Man of the Match award uh, because he scoring the two tries means he's now the the top try scorer in Connacht history, um, having passed Fionn Carr. He's now on 44, which is two more than Fionn Carr's. But the, the picture on, on uh, Twitter where he receives it is, is quite funny. He doesn't look this... He looks one of the most unhappy guys of ever receiving a reward that I've seen. Which, you know, is... Uh, you can't blame him, really. <laughs> no, it's it's very hard to um, paint on a smile when that's happened to you. Um, two, two really nice tries. He, he looked really dangerous every time he got the ball. There was a couple of times that he didn't get the ball when he should have got the ball. He was was looking for work. Um, you'd have to say Connacht look happier playing on this type of pitch. Yeah. In these type of conditions, it's just a bit a bit unfortunate that um, we don't have these type of conditions. I've said it before on podcasts that we've got to adapt a bit better. We Connacht look sometimes a, a bit at sea in rain and wind. Well. We're on the west coast of Ireland for home games. We're going to get a lot of this. And, um, you know, you put us on a hard pitch like that where two other games had been played um, yesterday, two sort of warm-up games, which is fairly normal in South Africa. They they, they kind of have a festival of rugby kind of day. And mm-hmm. um, the pitch looked perfect, and I'm sure the pitch will be perfect again in Bloemfontein right through the season. Um well done to the small bunch of Connacht supporters who got there. They made as much noise as they could. Uh, very distinctive in their, their bright green tops. And um, sadly, there would have been more if the, the snow had, hadn't occurred here. 
Um, yeah, hard exactly. to judge. Hard, hard to judge the crowd, Alan. I mean, I, I don't know. Six thousand apparently. Right, I think that's. Well, we're only looking at a TV picture, so you have to you have to accept that. But I think. I think that's been a tad optimistic. Well, the problem with these most these stadiums is that the, the, the cameras are only ever from one side of the field and the side of the field are on, you obviously don't see how many people are there. Um, so you, you can't really judge from that point of view and that would be the main stand. So, um, yeah, the, certainly the roar that came out at the end was, was relatively big when they got the winning kick. Um, so maybe there was, maybe there was. But I'm looking at, I'm looking at that's our fifth losing bonus point of the season. Um, which is more than anybody else. Nobody else has got that many losing bonus points. So you can look at it and go, well, we're not that far away from being, you know, and, and you know, getting into playoff scenarios. So maybe things aren't quite as bad as they appear. No, I, 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 look, I don't think they are. I, th- I, I was struck tonight by the fact that I thought, um, you know, they looked like a team, might sound very obvious, that had really been together for quite a long time period of time I mean this is all new this I know they train they, they have training schedules here yeah so they come in and they do a video review and they do their training and they do their gym and they do their rehabs and they do but they've been living on top of each other now for 11 days and it gives an opportunity for players maybe to bond in a slightly different way and it's a less you know you can put a, a bunch of guys or, or sports people it's not just guys you can put a bunch of sports people in a room and say, right, we're going to have a bonding session. And it's all a bit artificial and we'll draw up an agenda and we'll talk about this and that and the other. But maybe when you're away like this, it, it does bring a certain camaraderie into a team ethic. And it also gives you the chance maybe to work through things in a different way. It's an opportunity to, to, to do that. And they did play tonight. There was a lot more accuracy and there was a lot... There seemed to be a better understanding of uh, the game plan. There seemed to be better running lines. Mm -hmm. Um, And certain players seemed to really thrive. And Sean O'Brien stood out. Um, Tom McCartney had a really good game. Um, In my view, in the loose. I know he, he gave away a penalty in the first half, but that was a... That was a pretty much a professional penalty because Connacht's defensive line was in chaos, and yeah. he he did what he had to do. He knew what he was doing because uh, he's been a little bit below this season, um, in my view. And I think there's been a a lot. You know, the hooker position has been moved around a bit. Mm. So I think they have benefited from this, and in and in some strange way, I think they would be much happier if they were now continuing to play. As it is, they're going to have a two-week stop before Edinburgh come to the sports ground. And that's going to be a huge game for both sides. It's a must-win for both sides. Uh, Edinburgh are in Conference B, and they've, they've overtaken Ulster. They've no, got they're, the they're, actually, they're actually five points ahead of Ulster at this stage. Yeah, and that's, that's a stat from where they were. I mean, this is, this is testimony to the work that the players have obviously done, but also Richard Cockrell who came in as, as coach there, um, that's part of their self-belief. They want an automatic European play. So that's a, that's a massive game. And then the following week, we've got a massive, massive game. Massive, even more massive, <laughs> if I can get all those massives in, against Gloucester. So the rugby, it, it, it's all about the season is sort of driving forward now. It's All these games have a lot on them. And they've all, Connacht have obviously played four games in a row, and they've come out with uh, 50% win ratio which they would probably have been looking for that to be um, so well they don't want to win all four but, yeah. but I think they really wanted to win three uh, as a minimum and that hasn't happened so you would hope that they might be able to improve their consistency because to go from Zebra two weeks ago to this is excellent but maybe a little bit hard to understand yeah, yeah, and it's not the first time this season that's happened because it's it's it sort of happened a couple of other times. Actually, looking at their results, they've struggled against the teams that they should be beating based on where they are now. So the likes of Zebra and the Dragons, they've you know they've lost three games to those teams who we've always beaten before, or very you know always been able to beat when we were playing well. Yet we've got wins 
against Ulster and, and Munster and it's a bit strange so it's as though they can get themselves up for the big games and still struggle against the ones where they think they're they don't have to work quite as hard and and maybe you know this this week away um has made them realize they just have to work hard all the time that it's you know if you're going to be a champion or you're going to get up there you have to work hard all the time you can't sort of let your form dip at any point in time yeah and i think if you the thing possibly is when you're when you're on the field if 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 the situation is dipping a bit you need to be able to reset and go again um and it is yeah, look, it must be a frustration because Debray are below them in the table. Yes. And have only won, I think, four games this season, two of them against Connacht. The Dragons have only won twice. One of them is against Connacht. And that's, look, that's just the way it is. I'm stating the, the obvious there. But it's it's games like that or the away game to Leinster when a little bit more thought. And you can't keep rehashing this, but you have to you have to look at all these games in isolation and say... They should have won that. They could have done this. But at least tonight's performance, um, they played for the full 80 minutes and there was something about it that looked sharper and tighter. Yeah. And uh, you'd have to say the, uh, I think the Cheetahs were very relieved and afterwards their coach, Rory Duncan, and captain Francois Venter had this to say. Well, I think, I think, you know, the... Uh, you're obviously referring to breakdown. I think I think second half was you know they they, they hit us a breakdown. We we figured that they were going to come hit us a breakdown. Um, time and it was part of our discussion in, in, in the second half. But um, you know you must remember that that the second half was always going to be tougher. Eh? Um, you know the, the uh, you know we talk about home ground advantage and it's great to come back home and play it uh, you know on your home ground. But you know we travelled the same day as them. We we've. Obviously, also acclimatising to to the, the the altitude and that, not to make excuses or anything like it. But uh, I think the only difference is we flew economy, they flew business. Um, so uh, yeah, it, it's it's you know so so, so that that did even up the score. But but I think you know what was great for our guys. I think um, you know our guys got to feel what it feels like to be an opposition team coming from from uh, abroad and then having to 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 come and play it. Um, and and it was tough, and uh, you know, we need to give the players a bit of credit because they 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 pushed through. They were tight. I mean, the reality is we were we, we were tired. It, it's, as as we were, were Connell, you could see the guys in that second half. A lot of the guys were cramping up and, and, and that. And I think our guys did extremely well to be able to close out that game. Playing against a team led by a guy like John Mulvaney, he's played over 320 games for a single side, and an absolute legend in the Highlands. It must be inspiring playing against. Yes, um, Morgan. I must be honest. Uh, yeah, I don't focus uh, uh, much uh, at individuals we play against. We, uh, we focus on uh, playing against side. But um, yeah, as a captain and uh, aspiring captain, I think uh, he's a true stalwart for 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 their side. And um, yeah, we can look up to him. And uh, I think he played a good game uh, tonight as well and uh, led 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 it well. And uh, yeah, I'm just lucky we had the win. Okay, yeah, they were a pair of very, very, very relieved guys. And even if you saw it during the match, they, they, you could see that they were tensing up even in the first half. Because once Healy went in for his second try, they started kicking penalties rather than going for the corner and kicking points. And you could see that they they lost their early fluidity uh, as Connacht just started to adjust to the, their lines and the defensive lines got to grips with you know what the Cheetahs were doing and then the Cheetahs were just sort of let's get points on the board I doubt and I don't know because I haven't had a chance to look through it but I might do before the next podcast I don't know if they've been outscored at home try-wise this season which um, is what Connacht have done winning uh, you know outscoring them three tries to two yeah that would be an interesting one to know and uh, I think they did they, they really tried to get become pragmatic you could just see the belief draining out of them when Owen Griffin went in, they, they they really were looking down and down a barrel, and they and they 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 got away with it. Um, yeah, that was that was the losing of the game there. I know we can talk about you know referees' decisions near the end and and why we didn't blitz their line out, which we'd successfully defended twice in the match, and why we didn't go up in the air like we had done when Sean O'Brien stole a brilliant one five meters out earlier in the half, um, and we went for a sack which we'd been, been penalised twice for, and even though it looked perfectly 
good. Um, we got penalised for it. But for me, the losing of the game was that we get nine points up and then we don't secure it. We don't secure the ball. We don't get back down the field. They they score within a couple of minutes and that was really where the, the game was lost in my view. In my view. Yeah, because it becomes a matter of minutes and time and you the belief can drain out of a side if you can put them under pressure. If you give them nothing for a couple of minutes, they might then try something a bit uh, outrageous because they really panic, uh, and you never know what's going to happen. It's it's a bit you know it's a bit like uh, the intercept try that um, Nigel uh, Nigel Stockdale. Um, <laughs> what's what's his Stockdale, name? Stockdale scored. Yeah, uh, St- Stockdale scored against Wales, where Wales are having to just go for it. Well, that can happen to a side when they're chasing a game, when they they suddenly think we have to try something now, this isn't working, or somebody gets on the wrong wavelength. And that's maybe the little few percent that are still missing sometimes with Connacht, that they just don't have this mentality to absolutely close a game out or to give the other side absolutely nothing. Yeah, well, on the flip uh, side, you, you, have to, you have to credit the Cheetahs because they did loosen up again and they did open up again. I think there was a, an element of... They brought on a fair chunk of subs and it seemed to take them a few minutes to get up to the speed of the game. Um, and then they got up to the speed of the game because like they had, you know, for me, I was looking at, at um, Paul Showman at, at uh, their flanker. I thought he was tremendous. He was really causing us a lot of trouble. Um, and I think, he, was it him that turned over the ball? Because, you know, we, yep. we we turned over the ball. It might have been him, it might not have been. I think it was. Um, but, they, you know, for them to come back and then get Cam again and Franc- Francois Venter was a major part of it. Like the... The run, he laid, the run he made and the pass he made were tremendous and I think they were you know, fair play to them for getting themselves back in and not overly panicking because as you say they'd, they'd lost a few games away from home or in the last couple of minutes and you sort of wonder whether their mentality was going to be right once Connacht got two scores up but they did have it and fair play to them and I think they're going to be, they're going to be a tough side to beat as the, as the run-in goes Well I think at home they, they are I mean Connacht that's the closest any team has got down there a point I think Edinburgh beat them by uh, sorry, Glasgow beat them by three points. Um, they are probably going to finish third, but Munster going down there is a key, key game. If they could beat Munster, they could finish second. Second gets you this home uh, playoff semi-final, two plays three, and the, the top in the conference goes straight into the conference final. So that any team going down there knows that you have to adapt to the conditions now. And you also have on, to be able to scrummage. And like we had the monster scrum under a lot of pressure when we played them at Christmas time. And that that's the best scrummage team that we've come across all season. Nobody's had us under that sort of pressure, or yeah, nobody's had Connacht under that sort of pressure all year. Um, so that that's going to take an awful lot because you know monster based our game around that sort of stuff. It is. So it's, it's going to be absolutely fascinating to see how it how it pans out because. Um, these guys are serious. I mean, the, the two South African teams have come in. One has done very well. One has been abject. Now, we kind of expected the Kings to be poor. I don't think we quite expected them to be as poor as they were. And maybe their win on Friday night um, against um, the Dragons will help them move on a little bit. Yeah. Probably, probably asks more questions about the Dragons than it actually tells us about the Kings, mm. to be honest. Um, I know... Um, they're they're in a rebuilding phase over there, and Bernard Jackman has talked a lot about it. They they haven't won a game since September, and um, I think I think there's a bit of twitching going on around uh, Wales about just where they're going because they've been very they've been very poor, and they were awful on Friday night. They went ten nil up, and then they just seemed to down tools completely. But it's, it's a fascinating end, and the, the conferences are now starting to have an effect And the fact that you're playing teams. Connacht have this big game against the Ospreys coming in Liberty Stadium um, in, on April the 6th yeah. because they're fighting over something. Edinburgh coming here have a lot to play for, and that's really what you want. You don't want a situation at this time of the season where in... In previous years in the Pro 12, on occasions, teams have just been fulfilling fixtures uh, because there hasn't been a huge amount on them. But you kind of feel this is what they wanted to set up. I'm not sure about the South African experiment. I don't really know where it's it's going. 
Um, well, maybe... from this weekend, it was successful because they're the only games that got played were the ones in South <laughs> Africa. <laughs> yeah, um, that's that's a fair point, but I, I don't know. It's it's hard to tell. Um, you just feel it was all a little bit rushed, but maybe they had to do it. I think at the end of the season, there'll have to be a real analysis done of what they've brought. Yeah. Um, and how it's worked out financially for teams getting there and for them coming up here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a that was a good performance tonight by Connacht. It was the wrong result. They came out on the wrong side of it, and I suppose to the the winner always takes the spoils. It's it's, it's the way sport works. But uh, it was an enjoyable game, and let's hope now four games left in the Pro 14, Connacht can get into those and obviously the quarter final coming up on here on Easter Saturday tickets I think are going pretty fast they're putting in some extra terracing let's hope at that stage the sun is out and it's properly spring and we're not shoveling lots of snow off uh, our cars and stuff and we're all we're all set to go but there's there's a lot of rugby to be played there certainly is okay we'll take a quick break and we'll be back with any other business and uh, just a quick thanks to sportsnewsireland.com for their help with this podcast. Um, they're hosting us on their site and helping us to get the news out about Connacht Rugby and promoting our podcast. So thanks very much to them. Okay, let's let's finish off the podcast. Have you, have you, you've got some money other business, William? Yeah, well, obviously, uh, all attention uh, during the week again on, on Ulster where... Uh, John O'Gibbs is now leaving at the end of the season, uh, having told us maybe 10 days ago that that was absolutely preposterous. But I, I think at the time it had been sort of made fairly obvious. I'd, I'd heard through the grapevine that he was definitely going. Um, there are major problems up there. So it's a, it's a difficult sort of scenario for the for the IRFU here because they, they want four successful provinces and Ulster are just having a very bad run at the moment they're they're in um, fourth place in their uh, conference so if they stay there they're going to finish up playing maybe Cardiff maybe us maybe the Ospreys for European rugby and I think there's absolutely no doubt that if they finish up in the Challenge Cup um, then there will be a lot well there's a lot of questions being asked but that that's somewhere their whole economic model I would say is based on them being in the Champions Cup every year. You would have uh, expected just, so, like with a, you know, as I always say, my favourite stadium to go and watch a game big crowds, you know 15, 17, 18,000 people on a regular basis, um, plenty of money in the background helping them along signing the likes of Charles Pietau and, and, and they're still struggling, like it's 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 tough being an Ulster fan yeah, and I'm just looking at their fixture like, Treviso are, are seven points behind them, but Treviso have to Go away to the um, to the Kings, where you can see them getting the win. They have Dragons to play. You can see them winning that game too. They have Zebra to play. You can see them winning that game as well. You're sort of going, wow, did Ulster are not safe even with seven points on the board. Because they're, they're playing the likes of the Ospreys, who would be desperate to try and catch us. They're away to Cardiff. Um, they've got uh, Munster at the last game of the season. So it's, that's, and Glasgow, they have to play Glasgow. So, you know, it's not a foregone conclusion that they're going to finish in fourth. It certainly isn't, um, and maybe we'll get to go to Treviso after all for a playoff. <laughs> That'd be brilliant. We don't, I have to we, don't, say. we don't we don't get to go to Treviso very often because it's an impossibly difficult place to get to. Yeah, and the no. kickoff never seem to quite work. But um, and that's why I think the the conferences are working. Yes, um, because all these games really mean something now. It's and that's when sides have to stand up and be counted and that's what you want at the end of a season where somebody has something to play for all the time and um, Connacht certainly are in that place but they're they've backed themselves into a wee bit of a corner now so they have to they just have to come out fighting yeah Osprey's only three points behind us and with a game in hand so you'd slightly worry but anyway we'll we'll see how that goes uh, last last item of business then is I think you wanted to talk about Gary Ringrose and yeah, just 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 a difficult situation um, for the Ireland selectors. They obviously have to find a, an outside centre for next uh, Saturday against Scotland, and um, 
they would have been hoping that Gary Ringrose would have been playing for Leinster against uh, the Scarlets on uh, Saturday afternoon. But that game went by the wayside, as did all the other Pro 14 games this weekend, other than the two in South Africa. So that's going to be a big challenge. It'll, it'll be a test now to see. be really interested to see, do you bring in a player who hasn't played any rugby for months? Or who do you find, or who do you? How do you set your team up? It's just going to be interesting to see. This is why international managers operate at the level they do. And yeah, Smith. and like you know, asking them to come in and play against probably the form outside centre in the competition in Hugh Jones would be a huge ask. Yeah, it's, it's a massive ask. So I'm I'm intrigued to see how they're going to fix this. They they desperately wanted him to play. He was the number one candidate, but he had to come through, I don't know, 65, 70 minutes mm-hmm. of that game. But, you know, sometimes... And if you, if you were picking a reason not to play, you wouldn't have come up with Snow having a game off on March the 2nd. And I will I will finish with one final point. I have to say, I, I know you didn't get to Bloemfontein, Alan, but you will get there sometime. But I'll tell you something. Mm-hmm. The goalposts in Bloemfontein are absolutely fantastic <laughs> I'm watching them in high definition and they looked absolutely magnificent so they've obviously got their um, painting crew in action down there maybe they did it especially they thought you were coming I don't know I'm going to award them best goalpost of the season so far fair enough well let's hope when we get back to the sports ground in a couple of weeks we might see some freshly painted goalposts <laughs> that's great stuff um, yeah, I don't know where I'm going to get my sun now. I, 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 you know, part of my reason to go down there was to get a, a few days of sunshine, and God knows where I'll get it now. But I'll just have to wait till my money comes back from Aer Lingus <laughs> and see what I can do from there. Great stuff. Yeah. Thanks, William. Yeah, you'll you'll get a bit of sun. Don't worry. The sun will be shining here someday during the week. Probably be about four degrees, but <laughs> it's the start. All right. Good stuff. Good night, Alan. Talk to you. Thanks, William. 